No, straight away. We'll give it a sec. Okay, welcome to um, the 18th podcast in space. Yes, um, the it, podcast in space is now legally allowed to drink. Is that what? That was what I was waiting for. That's why I was saying we should oh. wait because now we can. Yep. Okay. Have right. the tequila. So. What? Yep. Okay. Well, let's have tequila then. Okay. Cheers. All right. Oh, that was cheap tequila. Okay, I mean, like, you know, if you're a successful game developer, you can probably get Patron, but like, it's when like no, we are we are on Sierra. Yeah. Um, okay. So, anyway, hello. Hi. It's the 9th of May, uh, and this will be a few days later when it goes up. So, so we're preemptively celebrating because this podcast is being timed to go up alongside the trailer and the announcement of the game's release date. Uh, and that's really exciting. Yeah. Oh, by the way, also, I'm Alyssa Harris, and this is Lee Harris. Oh, yeah. Hi. Um, and so, yeah, um, this is going to be a different podcast to the usual ones. Um, instead of being a running update of what's going on, uh, because by the time you get this, all of the, basically all of the information will be out. So we're not really going to be hiding things or avoiding talking about things. So what we figured we'd do is we'd go through like all of the features of the game, um, and talk about them in depth, including what plans we have for, for the future, depending on how early access goes. Yeah. So speaking of which, we're going to early access. Oh yeah, there's that small <laughs> detail. Yeah. Um, so the release date that we are announcing, or just announced, uh, depending on when exactly this goes up, is the 21st of June. So on the 21st of June, we will be dropping it on early access, and there will be a, a short beta toward the end of May to help us iron out some of the kinks before we get there. Um, and what we wanted to do is just sort of talk everyone through what Objects in Space is, because if, uh, if you're one of the people who just sees the trailer and goes, what's all this about, and then comes to the website and this is your first experience, we thought, why not just take it from the top and describe the game in our own words? It's a pretty complicated game, so... Yeah, so we expect this will take approximately seven and a half hours. So I, I put a poll on Twitter to ask people what they thought would be a good way to describe the game just in the first sentence on the Steam page. And uh, I gave them three options, which was an open-world space trading game with optional 2D point-and-click stealth action combat, because that just rolls off the tongue. Jargon. Uh, and an open-world 2D stealth space trading game and an open-world 2D stealth action space trading game. Action stealth modem punk adventure trading contract driven something I, I... like we, we called the game modem punk a lot and i still really like it it's just that uh that's that's kind of a cool way of describing it for people who can't see the game currently so for everyone listening at home modem punk but if you're someone who's just checking out on the steam page you can kind of see the graphics and get an idea of that retro futuristic 90s video game vibe so you don't really need us to describe the aesthetic so we dro we dropped a couple of terms from that description it's not retro future it's not modem punk it's just um well we went with the third one because that's what the poll told me to do and you know i i'm listening um actually 20 percent of people said they're all awful that was the fourth option um great i i probably could have changed that to say i love you but maybe workshop this a bit instead but in, i decided to make it they're all awful so yeah an open world 2d stealth action space trading game um, so basically, it's a very large open world, but with a 2D interface. 
So you can move your ship around and buy and sell goods from one of over 50 different space stations in the game and try and make a profit by working for over 50 different employers and taking contracts to haul goods from here, um, you know, here to there and that sort of thing. Uh, you can also be a scavenger, get yourself a grappling arm and go and try and find cargo and debris and derelicts and stuff that are adrift in space. Find like lost communication buoys out in the middle of nowhere that might point you in the right direction towards something cool. Um, you can be a bounty hunter, arm your ship to the teeth with torpedoes and go out and try and find specific pirates that have huge rewards attached to them. That was the most recent feature we added actually, which was the last feature we're adding before just polishing the crap out of it ahead of beta and early access launch. Um, so yeah, you can kind of you know follow the game the way that you want to. Um, it is story driven, but not in the usual sense. I think the way that you described it really early on was like um, you didn't want like a main storyline. Yeah, it's like you get uh, the, the the way we kind of imagined it is like if we put all the effort into basically all of the side quests effectively, not that they're actually quests, but they're all there to sort of add flavor to the world and build up stuff. And there is a narrative that's ongoing, but you, it's a question of where you see it from and what perspective it is. So actually, that brings me to a point which for some reason I left off the bullet point features list on the Steam page that um, our, our publisher had to remind us of which is that uh, it's a time-based open world. And we thought a little bit about how to try and describe that to people. And um, ended with time-based open world? Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to say a temporal open world, but I figured clarity was more important than $5 words. So, um, yeah, what that means is that you're in this game world for three months of in-game time, um, at the end of which the narrative content ends, and if you want to play the game again and go to a different part of the universe, you'll see different stories unfold that you might have missed uh, first time around. So this allows us to do things like if you've got uh, stories that you can engage with uh, with NPCs that are related to particular events that are happening in the game, then you know you keep an eye on the news, and when you're talking to someone who's like, you know, hey, I've got... A bit of an issue this good that i was previously dealing in has just been made illegal in this star system and you can be like hey i remember that from the news and it all kind of ties in together but uh similarly that npc won't be sitting there with that very time specific um job for you to do if you are going out and exploring and being somewhere else in the world so yeah it really kind of depends how you want to how you want to play it but um it does mean that npcs don't have that thing where they're just kind of sitting there waiting for you. You know how like in, in RPGs and stuff, you tend to get this thing where wherever you go, there's always someone sitting there going, help, I badly need five rat pelts. Well, in this case, the rat pelts are needed for a specific reason that ties into something actually happening at that time. Yeah. Once you've got all five rat pelts, you can then craft a new weapons module for your ship. That's how it'll work. It's a good theory, and it's also it's really efficient because it means that as an indie developer who's you know very we're very we have very limited resources, it also means we get the advantage of building a lot of content that most players won't see, which is exactly what you want in developing an indie game. So really, I mean, it's, it's just it's a decision I stand by. Yeah, that was an interesting choice on our part. Really early on, we did make this decision, and it did mean having to make a lot of content that we know people are never going to see, um, which takes a lot of time and is really difficult to do, but. Yeah. So combat, though, that's a big thing that's different. Yeah. So uh, the basis for the combat in this came out of um, 
well, watching a lot of sci-fi movies, but particularly in the 70s and 80s, because with the exception of Star Wars, most sci-fi movies that were most common gave the sense that, you know, being on a spaceship was more of a kind of naval thing. It was more of a submarine thing or tall ship thing. And it sort of made sense. Like you, uh, And it was the one thing that, that most video games didn't really seem to actually do. So I probably... Due to the success of action games, you saw a lot of, um, you know, dogfighting type things where you pilot tiny little uh, vessels. And so what we wanted to do was come up with something that gave you the feeling that you were driving a really big heavy ship where you're not like using a joystick to try and get precise uh, motions. You're issuing orders and plotting waypoints and making command decisions. So that's very much what we've come up with. So your, like, your camera is from a first person perspective. And it's in like a fixed position looking forward at all the different monitors of your bridge. But you don't look outside a window and check out space in front of you. You're looking at like a navigational chart and sensor arrays and things like that to try and figure out what's an enemy and what's not of all the objects that are nearby. So it's kind of, that's where we get the stealth action thing from. We used to refer to it as being um, submarines but in space. And that was a pretty good, uh, like a really good shorthand at describing it. Like, open-world subsim in space is pretty damn close, but that doesn't work if you're not a subsim enthusiast, and um, we didn't, you know, like the idea of out the gate alienating anyone who might otherwise be into the game but gets put off by the notion of a subsim. Yeah, well, I mean, part of the systems, like what I wanted, is that I'm a fan of subsims, but they're a little esoteric, and they can be kind of tough to get into, Um, and... So one of the things that I wanted was, uh, and hopefully we've gotten close to sort of making this, you know, this as decent as possible, but the idea was um, that we could actually do uh, the mechanics of a subsim, but because we're not actually trying to simulate real submarine warfare, we can sort of smooth over the rough edges and, you know, balance things to make it more uh, enjoyable um, than it might be if you were just trying to be 100% accurate at the precise modeling of your German Type 209 submarine. And uh, that means that we got to sort of pick the bits of submarine warfare that we liked and then change the bits that we kind of didn't. So it's ended up being like... Um, I, I've, I keep on looking at the game and trying to go, okay, like, how do I describe what this is succinctly? You know, we're about to release for the first time. It's important that we have, you know, a, a one-line description of what the game is. And the difficulty with it is that, like, it is so many things at the same time that it's not funny. Because, you know, we're both open-world enthusiasts. We've played our, you know, a whole bunch of different open-world games, and we love analyzing the crap out of them and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't, and what things they're not trying that would be cool to try and that sort of thing. And some things, it turns out, uh, it would be cool to try but are stupidly expensive and time-consuming and that's why they don't do it. Um, stuff like, for instance, having time always move forward. Um, but yeah, we we kind of looked at all of that and tried to figure out how to make it work for us and so we ended up with something which borrows really heavily from subsims uh, aesthetically and functionally but yeah, you're not going to... Like, you can learn this from scratch without needing a degree. Um, so what else? Um, so we also... Uh, I think this was another one of your uh, impetuses, Alyssa, was wanting to make sure that the players were not forced to make it a combat-heavy game if they didn't want to. 
So like yeah. we, we've got this dense, complicated combat system in there, but much like all the other story stuff that we were doing, the players aren't necessarily going to engage with it. Like if you want to pay attention to the news and go, right, here's where all the heavy pirate activity is and avoid those systems, you can have a relatively combat-free experience. Yeah, and more than that as well. Like you, you can get through the entire game and not purchase a weapons module. Um, you know, if you want to just like be really cautious with where you go, buy a jump drive, buy some defensive measures like uh, countermeasure systems and point defense lasers, you can get away without torpedoes. I mean, there are some missions that you won't be able to do, but it's not the focus of the game. So like avoiding combat is a perfectly legitimate thing to do. And uh, especially because like, you know, a huge part of the challenge is going to be avoiding damage to your ship and avoiding being detected by enemy pirates. Um, yeah, that's something that's entirely possible. So like a good player will be uh, someone who doesn't have to get into combat very often. The uh, bounty hunting uh, contracts that we added just recently is um, like that's where you go if you're here for the combat. If your entire purpose of playing this game is that you want to be in a submarine and be in space, then you'll want to uh, get some money or take out some bank loans, which we decided you could do early on. Um, and arm your ship to the teeth and go and hunt some pirates. You can absolutely do that. I think um, we were very, from a really early stage, keen on the idea that the player ought to be able to engage with whichever part of the game they enjoyed the most. So if you're someone who's really into the narrative, there'll be, you know, you'll get messages. We've got a complicated system mimicking real-world emails where you might get, uh, you know, a message from someone saying, help, I'm one star system over and I need someone who can do a job on the sly. And it turns out to be a smuggling job where you need to, you know, avoid authority vessels whilst trying to transport goods or something like that. But you'll see those emails and they're really obviously not the procedurally generated emails that come from having completed a contract for one of the, you know, employers. So it's like, if you want to seek out narrative content and play it with a bit more of that character-driven RPG-esque stuff, you can. If you're thinking of it more as a bunch of, how do I game this system and uh, make as much money as possible in this economy, you can do that too. And if you're trying to chase down combat, it's all there for you. Um, so I guess one of the other things we've never mentioned before, but uh, we... Yeah, we can now because we're about, like, by the time this podcast is out, we will have already mentioned it on Steam, is uh, outside the open world, there'll be separate scenarios. Um, we already made a, a bunch of these. We're not planning on having them there on day one, but it's a way for us to roll out additional sort of, like, challenge-based things where what we'll do is just have a situation where you're near a space station and pirates are going to attack it and you need to defend it and you've got to keep it alive for 10 minutes or you and uh, you're trying to escort a um, small convoy of ships from one place to another and make sure they don't die, that sort of thing. So the scenarios will be like a separate thing to the open world where if you're just looking for combat and don't want to bother with any of the other stuff that we've got in there, you can just play with the in-depth submarine-style combat mechanics and treat it like a more linear stealth action game. That's something we hope to just sort of roll out different scenarios periodically over time after we hit early access, though. Um, what's something else about the game? Uh, it's got multiplayer. Should we talk about it having multiplayer? Well, it doesn't yet. Well, it what it will though. At some <laughs> point, yes. So we've. Uh, I mean, this is you know, uh, obviously, 
uh, something that's been in the works for some time. But um, for anyone who's seen the the stuff that we've done with the consoles, um, it was something that right in the beginning we figured we wanted to leave open to. So um, even though it's not going to be there at release, we have built the game from the ground up to allow um, multiplayer as long as we get the, you know, success and resources to actually uh, pull it off. So all of the way in which the game um, integrates, like when you click on a button, it's actually going through a connection layer. So the difference between you loading up the, the game normally and having like a plugged in console that pushes a button is nothing. So um, the, to extend that into sort of network controls was relatively easy. I mean, mostly. <laughs> um, we, got, we got it working, I think, in the middle of 2015 or 2016. Yeah, and we it was like a, a two and a half month sprint just to get multiplayer working, and we did. Yeah, and uh, it's it's something where one of the problems that we ran into was uh, just that continuing to keep that multiplayer working when we added all these other features um, was we sort of had to decide were we going to aim for basically do we want multiplayer or all of the single player stuff at launch um, and. Yeah, so that's how we ended up in this situation. But despite that, all of the framework is actually there. Um, and it's something that we uh, plan to uh, release. So the um, the reason why we bring up the scenarios, the like standalone scenarios that are separate than the open world, is that um, the multiplayer that we, uh, that we got working was a bunch of different scenarios. So we had, from memory, like five different head-to-head maps where you could just go one-on-one and try and shoot one another. Um, We had escort missions. We had defend the base type things. We had pirate hunt mode. Um, Something like 15 or 20 different scenarios that, you know, we got to a a working stage. Um, We only got it working over land, but it did work, and it was a lot of fun. So um, the hope is that post-launch we can include not just single-player scenarios but also uh, standalone multiplayer ones and the other thing is that um, the game was designed so that um, you could and you actually like we've tested this it's uh, not really balanced for it but you can certainly do it uh, which is that you can have a bunch of different uh, players log in and play on the same ship so what that means is that you can have one person managing stuff in the engine room and somebody else on the nav uh, nav panel and etc and uh it's the type of thing where over time we want to add in enough complexity so that if you have a human manning those uh, consoles uh then you get certain advantages like being able to manage power more efficiently or do different things with the sensors and about half of that's there at the moment um but yeah it's what we want to do is have the ability to basically have a bunch of computers in a room set up a LAN, and kind of have a star trek style bridge situation so, um, yeah, I, I guess the thing to talk about now would just be, like, we're dropping the game on 21st of June on early access and what the plan is from there. And I think that, like, we talk about all of these different things and, um, like, you know, we have, the, we have the open world itself, we've got the challenge-based scenarios, we've got the potential for multiplayer, um, but I think a lot of it from this point does have to be a lot more... Um, dictated by looking at what people are gravitating towards once it's playable. Yeah, so we're going to be able to look at the stats um, that people generate by playing the game to find out, you know, what people are doing, and that's going to affect stuff. So, uh, I mean, there are there are features. We have a roadmap for what we want to do for early access. Um, you know, beyond just polish. However, we also 
want to involve the players in terms of just going what are people what do people want out of it um and then seeing sort of what the larger number of people uh, enjoy the most about the game will give us an idea of you know do, are people more interested in having more ships or more modules or uh, expanded story uh story content yeah like we've we've talked about a myriad of different ways that we could expand the game but I think it's at a point where you can drop into the open world, fly around and get to know the systems and the economies and the world and the combat, and you can start to get an idea of what you like or what you don't. And like, if, if we get feedback that one section is significantly broken and not appealing, then we have to sort of make the decision of, right, do we go and fix that section that is not working for everyone, or do we uh, look at the part that is working for everyone and expand it and make it better? So it's... Um, yeah, we have, uh, just in terms of like content that didn't make the final cut alone, we've got you know easily a, a month or two's worth of work just adding, uh, adding things that didn't quite get there in time, and that's just in terms of like open world stuff, like things to, uh, things to do and see in the open world. So that's not including the scenarios and multiplayer type stuff that we would like to do. So it really just come kind of comes down to um, yeah from this point on going here is what we have made so far everyone play it and start chiming in and then we'll see where we're at i guess it's a bit of a difficult time for us like it's crossroads because we've we've got this thing we're ready to share it with people and we don't quite know exactly what the future holds like previously it's all been you know here is the roadmap of all the stuff that we think we need to make it a fun open world to play in and uh, after this, it'll be like, well, everything we do next entirely depends on how it's received. So it's a weird unknown to have looming directly in front yeah, of us. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're hoping that we, we you know, make enough sales and have enough uh, support from the, um, the players that we are able to develop more of these features, but it's entirely going to depend on, on that. Like part of it's always going to be financial because we have to actually support ourselves to do it. Um, Mm. but then there's also just what things, what things are the, offer the most possibility. And I think it's like, so we've got a roadmap to get from early access to version 1.0, um, uh, which is like a, a roadmap for if the game does really terribly and no one buys it and that sort of thing. And the stuff that we're talking about now in terms of having uh, single-player scenarios that you can just play through uh, and multiplayer ones alongside that are things that um, we know we can get done within that sort of that sort of window, assuming that the game... Uh, yeah, if the game does the absolute worst it can possibly do, we're still going to make sure that those things end up uh, in the game before we hit 1.0. It's more a matter of, like... Assuming that the game doesn't do absolutely terribly, and I think that's a fun thing to assume and something uplifting that we should keep on assuming, if it does really well, then what else? And we've got a huge laundry list of ideas for things that could make the game better, but I guess it's going to come down to, um, yeah, like figuring it out with people playing it now. Yeah. Strange. The first prototype for this game was made in very late 2013. Yeah, and it sort of didn't become a full-time project for a good couple of years after that. But um, yeah, it's, it's a bit strange as it have hit this point where suddenly like, oh, the thing that was kind of a weird pipe dream 
suddenly sort of at the point where it's going to be released and we don't know how people are going to receive it. I mean, it's it's a very niche kind of thing to try and pitch to people. And, uh, yeah, we're hoping that it finds its audience so that we can keep working on it. I think that's why we that's why we decided to announce the game really early on was that like we want we want this game to take its time finding people who are into this really weirdly specific thing um and we kind of figured that like one big shock and door you know trailer wasn't going to do it which is why the uh the trailer that we've uh, that we're just launching alongside the um, announcement about the release date and everything is accompanied by a slightly more in-depth video of me talking through a bit of the game and that sort of thing is that it is a difficult one to describe to people and I figured it would take some time to reach whoever's interested in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess we'll see how well the last couple of years have done in terms of uh, what the response is. Yeah. So that's where we're at that's what we're working on and have been for the last several years and so this is the last podcast before um we've got all of the information and screenshots and trailer and release date and everything out there and probably by the time we do another podcast we will have had the the beta will have come and gone and uh so it'll be really interesting to see how things go when our podcasts are not just here's what we've been working on lately and that's it so yeah we'll see is there anything else um, no, I think that's probably it. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go and have a little more tequila. Thank you all for listening to the 18th podcast in space episode. And uh, wish us luck. Thank you.